You know when you're working a night shift and it's 3 a.m. and it's like, are we drunk or delirious? I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. And you're listening to Drunk or Delirious, a night shift podcast. recording um all together hi guys welcome to this week's episode of oh sorry if we've everyone just heard a door slam daniel what is he doing Does um, he want to join the podcast too <laughs> i know i was like we're recording with eric today and he was like oh i guess i'll be out in the living room <laughs> at, the, at the end have him come in and say hi yeah we i know hi. i should Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Drunk or Delirious. We are your hosts. I'm Emily. I'm Hannah. And this week we have a very special guest. Uh, My boyfriend, Eric, is finally joining us. You'd think it would have been a little bit easier to schedule a time where we can all (laughs) record together, but um, here we are. with someone working two jobs and then another one. I was living in Philly. And then then Eric in grad school was... Pretty much impossible. <laughs> I promise I was not avoiding you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Yeah, it's fine. We're here now. We're here now. Yay. Hi, Eric. Yay. Welcome to the <laughs> show, am. finally. Thank you all for having me. I'm super excited about this. I've Yay. been listening to all of them. He's a loyal fan. That is impressive because Dan hasn't listened to anything past like the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> we need to pump those numbers up, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, come on. I know. I know. I listen to his album all the time. <clears throat> yeah. I'll have to have a talk with him. Oh, real. Um, but yeah, we're sharing a mic, so hopefully this sounds okay. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think they expect too much from us. <laughs> high expectations, high quality only. Yeah. High quality podcast recording. Um yeah. Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for having me. So I guess a little bit of background pre Hannah and travel nursing. So I'm originally from Washington state, um, Eastern Washington. And after graduating from central Washington university, moved over to Seattle and that's where I started doing financial planning. So I did that for about five years in Seattle before I met Hannah and it came after a couple months of dating Hannah. She made the proposal of being a pseudo travel nurse with her. And I was fortunate enough to be able to work remotely. And so it was, was your idea. It was my it idea. Was his yeah. idea. <laughs> it sounded way better to travel. Um, and so that's what kicked off the whole travel experience. And it's been awesome to be a passenger seat and kind of the travel nurse lifestyle and what you all do. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And then now, I guess now, um, so I wanted to make a little bit of a life change. So I ended up leaving financial planning and going to grad school. So I'm currently getting my MBA at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. And then post MBA, I'm going to be working in investment banking in New York. He's a money man. So cool. So I know finance. So cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Hannah told me that you guys are going to be living in New York probably forever. And that made me really (laughs) Maybe not forever. We'll see. What I've heard is that people who moved to New York, you spend a year loving it. You spend mm-hmm. a year after that tolerating it, and then you want to get the heck out. So we'll see what our experience is like, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you can just move to um, Connecticut or Boston. <laughs> that seems to be a natural move for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, it is. Well, yeah. Is Emily like and I were talking choice. about it, and she said that, well, I mean, you know, that's where they're going to probably move. Yeah, yeah. But it's not that far, so, no, you know, no. we could both. No, it's not. I know. Coast. I was really excited. I was like, oh, my God, we can take the train down and hang out all the time. So excited. So yep. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we also start these off too with a little would you rather um, to get to know our guests. So we came up with a question all together. <laughs> I wish it was random because I would be scared. Oh, <laughs> I know. We should have played I know. It's hard though. Um, but our question is, would you rather 
grind working right now so you could retire early or um, have a job that's more flexible so you can enjoy your life now and then retire later in life? I feel like I could take 30 minutes thinking about an answer to this. Um, It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I think personally, uh, I'm probably going to eat my words in about two years, (laughs) Um, but I would say right now, I would much rather grind in the short run to be able to retire earlier than be forced to work a long time. But who knows? Like if you love a job, mm-hmm. love what you're doing, then you may want to do it mm-hmm. forever. But yeah. yeah, I guess the short answer is grind and retire early. That's the mindset now anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ask sure. me again yeah. in two years and it'll be different probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. What would you know it's, You know, it's hard because I still, I want both. Like I want to be able to like make enough money right now and still be able to travel, which essentially is what travel nursing is doing for most of us. So, mm-hmm. um, because yeah, we can, we still can take all this time off and then still be saving a ton of money. So I'm both. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I I'm can both really do too, that. And that's not really an answer, but, um, I feel the same way. I'm like, I just want to make as much money as I can now so I can retire early, but I'm also trying to take off a few months in between contracts. Yeah. I'm also trying to like not work all the time because it makes me crazy. So yeah. Well, I think in your guys' defense, travel nurses can have both. Yeah. So it's the perfect job for us. (laughs) What a segue into talking about finances, especially in travel nursing. (laughs) Wow. How'd you guys plan that? (laughs) Sure did. So, yeah. So for me, um, my dad is also really good with helping me with my finances. So I've been really lucky. And Eric's kind of taken over the role of helping me with my uh, investments and everything like that. Um, But a lot of my friends that I went to nursing school with um, aren't as lucky and they don't have their their parents don't know. So then how do they know? I mean, if you're if you don't have a parent who kind of teaches you what to do, um, you know, it's not like we're taught about how to invest or what a Roth IRA is or what a 401k is in nursing school. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we thought we'd kind of go over kind of the basics and then into some um, more specific questions too. So I guess first question is, Eric, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> um, before I jump too deep into things, I do want to have a little disclaimer. So although my past was in financial planning, I don't want anything I say today to be construed as financial advice. So it's meant to be informational, mm-hmm. educational. Um, if you have specific questions about your situation, definitely consult with a CPA or a certified financial planner. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I hope that everything I share with, with you all today is educational. Um, so to answer the question <laughs> is, so, so where do I start? Um, I think that is, it's very vague, but it's a very important question because there is, I mean, if you Google personal finance, you're going to come up with millions of hits and it can be overwhelming. Um, and so I think the best place to start, and I'm not joking when I say this is to one Saturday or whatever day you have off, <laughs> take your laptop and a notebook, go to your local coffee shop and get your favorite drink and simply get organized. And so when I say get organized, it means log into your bank accounts and your credit cards for the past three months. Just look where you spent your money. Don't judge yourself based on what you did. Just look at how much money did you pay for coffee, for rent, for gas, like all the little things. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's number one is just kind of create a cash flow statement for yourself um, and then make a list of where you currently have all your money. So how much is in your bank account? How much do you have in 401ks? Do you have multiple 401ks? Do you have different IRAs? But just make a list of where everything is because the, the most important thing is to get an understanding of where you're where you're starting from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Mint app <clears throat> is also really good for like yep. if you download the Mint, I think it's called that, right? Yeah. There's mm-hmm. the Mint mm-hmm. app um, and then it you connect all of your accounts to it. It also tells you like pretty much like it um, sorts through like, oh, I spent this much on food mm-hmm. and this much on clothes or like different things like that. So you can also, um, yeah, there's apps to make that even easier, which is awesome too. I know. And now that you're saying that, I used to use that. Um, and then I don't anymore. And the thought of going through what I spend money on right now, like, makes me so stressed. <laughs> yeah. No one likes to... The first, to time, the first time <laughs> like, I, I should it. do it. It's, it mm-hmm. could be stressful, but yeah, go in with no judgment. 
right? Because you can't oh, change the Oh, I have the all yeah. of the judgment right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll talk about some tricks to help psychologically alleviate some of that guilt, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> but I think that's a, that is a really great place to start. Um, yeah. Okay, so then when you have everything organized, what do you do next? So yeah, that's another good question. Um, and again, there's a million things you can do, but um, I guess to jump into more of a educational piece. So how you want to spread your money just really depends on kind of what your goals are. But I also want to phrase this as having an and mentality. So you never want to over-index on one thing. So you know you don't want to focus just on paying off debt and forgetting your f- retirement. And vice versa, right? You don't want to put all your money in retirement and then just pay minimums on your debt. Um, so it's creating this abundance mentality of, yes, I want to do a little bit and everything. Um, with with that said, so when you're thinking about where you can place your money, you, you, you want to create different buckets. And so one bucket will be, uh, let's just call it your cash savings. So cash in the bank. So that's bucket one. The goal there is, and the most important goal is to get to three months of your living expenses in that bucket. So I guess that's the only time that I'm going to say focus on one thing because mm-hmm. you never want to be in a situation where you have no cash and something crazy happens, car breaks down, um, I don't know, water heater breaks, and you need to put that on credit. So I'd say, yeah, step number one, you have a budget, great, build up your cash cushion to th- at least three months of living expenses. The next thing you can look at is really just personal preference based on what your goals are. So think of your, like the diff- the other different buckets as a timeline. So you're gonna have your short-term timeline, midterm timeline, and then long-term being retirement. And when I say short-term, I'm saying like one to two years, right? So if you want, if you need to buy a car in a year or you wanna buy a house in a year or two, the best place for that is just cash in the bank. And that pains me to say, because I know you can get investment returns, but you never want to be in a situation where you're, you know, you're ready to stroke a down payment for a house and the markets are doing what they're doing right now, which mm. is red and people are losing just tons of money like that. That's a terrible situation. So that's why in the short term cash is king. Um, the longer midterm would be what's called a non-qualified investment account. And so that's just a non-retirement investment account. Sometimes it's called a taxable account. Sometimes it's called an individual account. Um, but that's an account that you can invest the money in and there's no restrictions. You can put as much money as you in, as you want into it. You can take it all out whenever you want to, um, but it's an accessible investment account. And then your long-term re- accounts, investment accounts are your retirement accounts. And so the, um, I don't know if we want to dive into a ton of detail now. I don't want to just do a word vomit of <laughs> lingo. Um, but so retirement accounts, you have 401ks, IRAs. In 401ks, um, so if you think of those two accounts, you have 401k, you have IRA. Inside of those, you can have a pre-tax 401k or a Roth 401k. So I think this is something that's sometimes confusing is when people say Roth, you can have a Roth 401k. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's such thing as a Roth 401k. On the IRA side, the same thing is true. You can have a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, which I think a lot of people are familiar with the Roth IRA. The difference between 401ks and IRAs, the biggest thing is how much money you can put in. So with a IRA, a Roth IRA, the, the max right now is 6000 per year. With a 401k, which is tied to your employer, that's, I can't remember what it is now. I've been out of the game for a while, but it's, I think it's close to 20000 maybe a little over 20000 per year. Mm-hmm. So you can just put a lot more into 401ks. Can you talk about, um, I have a couple questions. Yeah. My first, and I want to say them both just before I forget them. Okay. So my first question, um, for someone listening, um, and then they have their cash in the bank, and then they're ready for that middle step that you were talking about. Okay. Like, where would they go to create? I mean, I know where mine is, but yeah, like, yeah. like, what are some ideas of like, okay, I want to have somewhere to save and invest, but that's not a retirement ag- account. Where would I, where would I put that? is my first question. And my second question is, um, can you just talk about the difference with like, what is Roth and kind of differentiate those two? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just will talk a lot. So stop me whenever you need to. It's a very (laughs) informational episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's the purpose. I hope everybody has their like pens and papers for this. I know. I'm that's what this is. (laughs) Yeah. Or put it on. Yeah, put it on before you go to bed and it'll lock you right out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, so the first question was where where would you go like where would you go to open up one of those kind of longer short term accounts like the midterm account the mm -hmm. investment account? Um, so there there's been a lot of progress in that space. So um, I mean, if you go to any of the big investment companies, so Vanguard.com, Charles Schwab, um, even Robinhood. I think Robinhood. I have my own bones to pick because they've kind of gamified investing, which can for some people can be dangerous. Um, but even Robinhood is great. So there's a lot of low cost, um, f oftentimes free companies that'll offer, they'll allow you to open up any type of investment account. So yeah, the Vanguards are great. Charles Schwab is great. Um, I think Fidelity has some good um, free accounts and regardless of how much money you're starting with. But yeah, there's, those are some of the main ones. Um, and then the differences, right, between retirement accounts. So, okay. Or just what like Roth means, because I think I can forget. I mean, I yeah. get it and then I forget and yeah. Yep. Yep. You're not unique in that regard. I feel like people talk about this stuff once a year and then it's just like, all right, not time Literally, to get on with my life. It goes <laughs> over my head. Yeah. <laughs> like it goes over my head every time I talk with my financial advisor. I'm like, he's like, remember when we talked about this? And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That was the same with a lot of my, my clients in the past. It was kind of the same thing. Um, it was, it was a reminder. Repetition, yeah. repetition. And like everyone's super smart, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of why you, you need to offload some, oftentimes it's better to offload some of the stuff so you don't have to worry, worry about it. Right. Um, okay. So, so Roth IRA and 401k. So I guess the biggest thing is a 401k is with your employer. So if your employer doesn't offer a 401k, you can't save into a 401k, right? So that's tied to your employment. Um, with the Roth IRA, the big the the key thing to a Roth IRA is that it's it all goes back to taxes. So with the Roth, you can think of all accounts. There's, there's three times essentially three times you can be taxed. One is is if you put money in. So as you make a contribution, is it tax deductible or not? With a Roth IRA, it's not tax deductible. So that means if you're at, the money that's going into your Roth IRA, that's from your take home pay, right? So you've already they've already taken taxes out of your paycheck. So it's take home pay. Great, I'm going to save it into my Roth IRA. The second time you can be taxed is as money grows. So every year, if there's dividends or interest, um, there's a potential to be taxed on those. In a Roth IRA, those are not taxed. So they're taxed on the front end. They're not taxed as it grows. And then the beauty of Roth IRAs is on the back end, when you take the money out, the account could be worth $5 million. That entire account balance, will you'll be able to take out tax-free. Mm -hmm. So it's completely tax-free on the back end. Yep. So that's the big difference between the two. Taxed immediately, not taxed when you withdraw. Yep. Your contributions to Roth IRAs have already been taxed. Once they're in that safe haven of the Roth, they will never be taxed again. As long as you wait until 59 and a half, that's mm -hmm. the other key caveat is right. money in retirement accounts. You have to wait until you're basically 60 years old before you're able to touch them. If you take it out early, then you'll, you'll be paying a 10% penalty. Okay. Versus non-Roth. Okay. And then, yeah. So the non-Roth is the, the opposite. So remember the Roth, you're taxed on the front end. You're not taxed as it grows. You're not taxed when you take it out after 60. Mm -hmm. With a traditional IRA or a pre-tax 401k, it's flipped. So as you put money in, that actually reduces your taxable income. So you will save money in taxes when you make a contribution. So for example, let's say you're making, um, let's just say $100,000 per year. And let's say you make a $10,000 contribution to your traditional 401k, your pre-tax 401k, right? So you made hundred grand, you put $10,000 into your pre-tax. The IRS is only going to tax you on $90,000 of income. Sweet, yeah. right? Um, so you're not taxed on the front end. You're not taxed as it grows. But because the IRS has never touched that money mm -hmm. from a tax standpoint, every dollar you take out in retirement will be taxable at your income tax rate when you're, you know, 65 or 70 years old. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the difference is just when are you paying taxes? Are you paying them today or are you paying them down the road? Got it. So there's definitely and, benefits to both. Mm -hmm. And that's why you can only put 6,000 in a year of for Roths because it's already taxed so that you're not like maxing that out. And then you don't have to pay any taxes when you take out a big lump sum. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but the I think the important thing there is, like I mentioned earlier, there's a Roth 401k. Yeah. So you can still put in twenty thousand yeah. dollars into a Roth into a Roth type account, 
mm-hmm. which is what, you know, a lot, a lot I mean, it all, you obviously should talk to a CPA or, or your financial advisor to determine what's best for your scenario. Because if you have a year where you, um, we had a lot of people who worked in tech and they had a bunch of stock vest and their, their income for that one year was just super high. Mm-hmm. And so in those years, it may not be best to put money into a Roth. Um, we may want to, you know, tweak some things, but I think for a lot of people, Roths can be a good first place to look to save, yeah. whether it's a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, if you have a 401k. Cool. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot. <laughs> no, it's really interesting because I had literally no idea. It's a tax um, game. It's a tax game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Either way, you're getting taxes. taxed one way or another, but, but yeah. Interesting. So, Right. So you get your 401k through your employer and then you can get that Roth IRA or whatever a normal IRA through whoever you open your like mid-level account with. Yep. If you want. Yeah. Right. Exa- yeah. Yep. Exactly. The, yeah. You kind of, so the IRA stands for individual retirement account. So you're the individual. So it's kind of your responsibility to open that up. A 401k is dictated by the employer. Okay. Good question. Okay. So, um, would you recommend to, uh, like, let's say, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of jumping around, but like you're a travel nurse, you're making good money. Like where would you focus your money first out of those two options? Would you max out your Roth IRA? Would you put a higher percentage into your 401k? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's another good question. So I guess kind of going back to where, like, where do I put my money? So hypothetically, let's say you have, I mean, travel nurses, you, you guys are in a fortunate position to be making a lot of money. And so it's not unrealistic to be able to save a few thousand dollars per month. I mean, even more. Um, And so there, if you get an, if you get a contract and you kind of run through your budget and you say, you figure out, all right, I have an excess of, let's just call it three grand a month, right? I'm paid my bills. I've paying rent. I have $3,000 that I could do something with. Um, that's where you would really just want to split it up. Like, all right, I, I have maybe some student loans. Great. Throw maybe 500 bucks to those. Um, I want to make sure I'm on track for retirement. Maybe you max that out. So to max it out, it'd be close to a fif- little over 1500 bucks a month. Um, do that. I think to Hannah's question is, do I do, do I do Roth IRA or should I do 401k? Like which one's better? I think I would, I guess I don't want to say recommend it was sometimes more efficient to do a 401k for two reasons. One is you can just put a lot more into your 401k. So instead of 6,000 and I'm going to look up what that number is for 2022. Okay. Um, okay. Let me see. 401k max contribution 2022. So it's 20,500 per year into a 401k. So that's one benefit is you can put in 20,000. Be stronger. Sorry. <laughs> there she is. You can put in twenty thousand five hundred dollars per year into a retirement account. Like that's a, that's a meaningful amount of money. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason why I would looking at a four hundred one k might be more beneficial. The other thing is just for convenience. So that money gets taken out of your paycheck before you even see it. And yeah. so for a lot of people, that's just easy. Like great, out of sight, out of mind. It's doing something good for me. And then any money that hits your bank account, you can decide what to do with. Mm-hmm. And it feels good. Because you know, like, great, I've already saved a ton of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Good question. We should pay him for this. This is like what he does with I know, right? when oh we gosh. see all this client. Yeah, this is educational. Make sure you, know, you talk with a, a CFP or a No, CPA. you're just you're just telling people what it is. Yeah. You're good. Um, I know a lot of my friends have student loans and stuff from college. And, um, I think a lot of people are unsure if they should just like blast all their money to pay off their loans as fast as possible so that they're not increasing Mm -hmm. or they're unsure about like how to disperse the money. Well, I mean, I know you can't recommend anything, but what's your advice? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another good question. I think everyone, everyone is a little bit different. So I know that there are some people who just hate, they hate the idea of having student loans. Like they just hate it. Right. It keeps them up at night. Is that you, Em? Well, thinking about grad school, I'm like, I literally don't want to take out loans. I want to pay for it all mm-hmm. like myself. Yeah. I don't want to be in any debt because I'm not, I mean, I'm in huge debt because my house, but that's it. I don't have yeah. any other and that's good loans debt. or anything. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. It's great debt to have, but exactly. I'm like, I, I don't have a car payment. I like already paid off my other student loans. Like I don't want 
to have them again. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so, so that's, I think that's where it's, it's case by case basis. So if, if either type of person who it just like, it keeps you up at night knowing you have all this student debt, then you may want to be a little more focused on paying that off. But like I mentioned before, you don't want to, to not pay attention to other parts of your financial life. So I guess going back to an example is, I mean, let's use like 500 bucks a month. Let's say you have 500 bucks a month to save or do something good with. Um, you might be, you might look at, all right, well, if I have 500 bucks a month, I'm going to put most of that towards student loans. So maybe it's 250 a month. I'm going to then do hundred bucks to my 401k and then, you know, what's the next 350 and then maybe 150 to a short-term investment account. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's kind of the game you're always playing is like, what's most important to me right now. If debt's stressing you out, great. Like, don't forget about other things, but put more money towards that. And then once you kind of have that cleaned up, then you can recalibrate and then reposition some of that money towards your long-term accounts. And then when you want to buy a house in a couple of years and you can reposition your savings to that. So it's just really depending on what's most important at that time without forgetting the other parts of your life. Yeah. Um, say that stat that you were talking about earlier. Um, oh yeah. So I guess this kind of relates to student loans. So that, <laughs> So this is, these are all just base numbers and assumptions, but um, if you, so this, this is a hypothetical situation. Okay. So you're, you're. I love the disclaimers. Okay. Well, <laughs> stop doing that. Oh my gosh. Uh, past performance is not predictive of future results. Uh, so, okay. So here's a hypothetical. So you're, let's say you're 20, you're 25 years old, or let's say there's a 25 year old. The 25 year old saves hundred bucks a month, right? So they, they're 25 on their birthday. They save hundred bucks a month for 10 years. Okay. hundred bucks a month. So from 25 to 35, they just save hundred bucks a month, like clockwork. Boom, boom, boom. At 35, they stop. They just say, all right, I saved for 10 years. I'm 35 now. I'm going to stop. When they turn 65, based on a rough estimate of 8% returns per year, investment returns, they will have more money than someone who doesn't save anything until they start at 35 and then save until 65, right? So the 25 year old only saved for 10 years. They are going to have more money than someone who starts at 35 and saves for 30 years. And so that, to me, that's kind of crazy when that's you see wild. that, like, wow, the earlier you start on this, mm -hmm. you, well, first of all, you don't need as much money to achieve the same result. But the second right. thing is, especially if you're a travel nurse and you're able to stock away a bunch of money in your retirement accounts or investment accounts, it just has longer to grow and longer to compound and accrue more. Yeah. I, that hit me earlier. I was like, you have to say that on the podcast later because I feel like that'll oh hit gosh, people because no. it is crazy. I think um, <clears throat> that, I mean, hopefully we'll get people to realize like, I don't know, start start early. Yeah. With your saving, I think, yeah, you can pay off your loans and save even if it's a little bit. I, mm -hmm. think, I think you should do both. If you can. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I feel like I've heard that before and it like a while ago, but it does like that really drives it home. Like that, that's wild. Yeah. 10 yeah. years of saving versus 30 years. It's crazy. And you have more after 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And if you start travel nursing, like, I mean, we started at, I was, I was 24, like 24, 25. If you start young like that, making good money and then putting it away. I mean, that will yeah. multiply. That's, I mean, really reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Great. I'm saying. You guys can have it both. You can work, yes. work half the year, take half the year off and retire at 45. Oh my God. Literal, yeah. literal dream. But ugh. yeah. Amazing. Except all the rates are dropping. So it's like. Yeah. But even like when we started, um, like my first contract was 1600 a week and that still was like double what I made as a staff nurse, which is crazy, right. you know, which like is, it's still it is crazy. good. It's just now I want, I want four grand a week. <laughs> right. I'm greedy. Yeah. I can't, how do I go back? <laughs> you guys Literally know, me. You know what you're worth. Yeah. Yep. Me like, being I'm, like mm, you dropped my contract 1300 a week still would make like over like 3100 I think is what it would be before taxes and I was like mm -mm, no not enough <laughs> it's not enough <laughs> well it's not enough for my freaking like brain and mental health and I was about to lose my mind no, this morning no, at work no. so yeah I was like okay I'm done mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> understandable yeah especially yeah. yeah working two jobs it's crazy oh my God. 
How many yeah. shifts? How many shifts left? Two. Yes. Two. Wow. That's so Oh exciting. my God. It was funny when I was trying to explain what I was doing or my I was planning to do to my financial advisor and like how to what to do with all the money. He was like not computing that I was going to be doing two jobs. He was like, Oh my God. I, was, I told him, I was like, I'm going to be doing this and making this much a week. And then I'm still doing this. And he was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> like he was not getting it. And he was like, Oh wait, you're making that much. Like once he added everything, I was like, yes, help me. <laughs> he was probably pumped to hear you say that. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was like, Oh, we're going to do this and this. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm glad you know you're as long as I have money like for the honeymoon I'm good right yep. that's all I want all I want yeah um okay so with us talking about all these retirement accounts I know the one thing that was really confusing for me when I started um was having using different travel agencies and you start a new 401k or have the option to start a new 401k with each company that you're with so then you come out with having like so many different ones <laughs> and what do you do that's that <laughs> is tough and that makes things confusing um but i i mean this all kind of goes back to being organized as if you know where accounts are it just makes things a lot easier uh but but it, you're not i mean travel nurses are a little unique in that you're gonna you could potentially work for different agencies like you know mm -hmm. seven or eight of them in a couple of years like that's not out of the question um, the average person, I think the last article I read changes jobs about 10 times throughout their career. So they kind of run through the same thing. I think it's just not yeah. as rapid as travel nurses. Um, but the the key here is if you ever leave an employer and you no longer work for them, you can roll, it's called a rollover, but you can roll mm -hmm. that money over into an IRA. And then when it's in an IRA, it's, I, I kind of jokingly call it the 401k briefcase. It's like, great, you leave a company pick up that old 401k, put it in your briefcase, mm -hmm. right? Um, the, the key there is if kind of going back to our tax talk of like, all right, is it traditional or pre-tax or is it a Roth? If you're going to do a rollover, you want to make sure that it's going from a pre-tax 401k to a traditional IRA because mm -hmm. those are taxed the same. If it's a Roth 401k, it needs to go into your Roth IRA because you want to make mm -hmm. sure that the, the tax integrity is maintained in those rollovers. But I think that's the best way is, all right, you, you get into a habit. If you leave... If you leave an agency, you don't want to kind of forget about that money that's floating over there. You should just immediately, I mean, again, talk with your advisor, because if you go back and work for that agency, maybe there's benefits to keep some money there. But um, in general, a good way to organize it all is you leave a company, put it into your IRA, and then it's all in one place. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what I've been doing is rolling them over because even... Yeah, I haven't been with a million different travel agencies, but I feel like I flip flop jobs, mm -hmm. and so then I have like all these little <laughs> IRA or like four hundred one ks that yeah, like, yeah, we just keep rolling it over into yeah, one. Like so. You got a few thousand here, a few thousand there. Mm -hmm. I think didn't I run into problems? Didn't I roll over one of them into something it shouldn't have been rolled over to? Like I didn't realize they had to match up like Roth and Roth, and then. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think I screwed it up somehow and ran into trouble. But they but didn't tell you before. I don't know what happened. I mean, sometimes when you, when you do it yourself, it's kind of up to you because there are some strategies where you would move money from a traditional to a Roth if you're playing some tax, you know, the tax game. Sure. Um, but in general, you wouldn't just want to immediately do that unless you have a clear understanding of what it means to do that. Because if you move money from a pre-tax <laughs> yeah, to sure a Roth, it's gonna that's going to be taxable income for that year. So it's yeah, it could be dangerous game to play. But yeah, if, we, mm -hmm. if you do it yourself, there's not really going to be somebody that says, hey, like you should be aware of what's happening here. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes, if you if you even set one up with uh, like an IRA with Vanguard or with Charles Schwab or something um, and you call, they, they will have advisors that can help you with that. Yeah. So if like, all right, I have these 401ks, I'm going to open it up this IRA. They'll be able to guide you through like what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, also on the note of... Uh, like 401ks and investments. So I was always confused whenever I go to set it up and then you have to pick what you're investing in. Um, I would always call up my dad and be like, dad, I'm going to read it to you. And then he'd like bust out his computer <laughs> and he'd be like, okay, read them to me. Okay. Repeat that one. What does that one say? Like, what is this? What is this? And then he'd tell me which ones to pick. Cause otherwise I don't know what the heck they are. Um, 
now I have a little bit more of an understanding about it, but what's your, um, is there a basic way of kind of understanding what's like, I know there's different caps and everything like that. Like what's, uh, you know, a good place to start if you're just like looking to invest in like the the general stock market or. I remember we were, um, we were living in Phoenix and there was one night Hannah had, we were like going through her stuff and I was like, let me tell you what's happening here. And it was like 20 minutes later and she's like, great. Now can we stop? (laughs) It was just a lot. Um, So yeah, not to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, So they're, they're, when you have a 401k, they're going to provide a menu of different investment choices, which I mean, to Hannah's point, sometimes it can be 20 or 30 different investment options. Um, and they're all sometimes they're sometimes they're named something exotic, which makes it sound cool and flashy. It doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Um, generally speaking, a sufficient way to invest that 401k money is in what's called a target date fund. And so what a target date fund is, is when you pull open the menu, it's going to literally have a year attached to it. So it could say Vanguard target retirement date 2065. What that 2065 means is they're going to invest the money as if you're going to touch it in the year 2065. Mm. So for someone who's, let's say, 30 years old and you know you're going to, in general, like, great, I'll I'll probably retire at 60 or 65. You'll just scroll through the menu and try to find a target date fund that matches with the year you want to retire. So if you're born in 1992, you'd try to find a target retirement of like 2055 or 2060. So they're they're every five years. So they'll be holy moly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was born in. 1992. I better be not working before then. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. God, that's to really... retire now. <laughs> Not even thirty. Just because you pick that as your investment option doesn't mean it's set it in stone. <laughs> you have to work. That but but what that basically what that does is it just invests the money per that time horizon. So today, because that's a ways away, they're going to be more aggressive, and then automatically as it gets closer to that that destination or that horizon, that time horizon. They'll just make it a little more conservative. So maybe a little more in bonds, less in stocks, but you don't need to worry about it because behind the scenes, they're automatically doing that investment management. You just push uh, push the button and invest all your money in that fund. Okay. Okay. And what, and also like, can you talk about, I'm so bad at these questions because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you guys are both great. Like you guys, uh, you get it. Though. Like you understand. I know the like the gist. You know, yeah, yeah. like like what are the like caps and and um, what's the you know what, what's the one called where you're just investing in the the general market like all the top yeah. 100? Is like it S and S and P 500? I think that's fund. what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, like that's a good one to just go with, right? Because that's just like following the top. Isn't the, the top 500 it's, companies or? Yeah. So I'm not going to say good. No, nothing is good or bad. Okay. Um, but the, so the investments are, are broken down in categories. So I guess this is kind of a good point is, is the, the research and statistics, it's critical limit theorem. So if you've ever taken a statistics course, they say if you're going to do it. St- <laughs> <laughs> but all nurses have taken it. We've yeah. Taken all nurses it. have taken it. Yeah. yeah. So, so critical limit theorem basically says that if you're going to take a sample of anything, you need to have at least 30 um, different data points in order for the regression or in order for the data to be more pure, right? Because if you have only 10 data points, there's a potential for that to skew one way or another. So the critical limit theorem says, all right, if we have, if we increase our sample size, it's going to just be a pure way to gather, gather the data because you just have more, more data points. So the same thing holds true with investments as if you're going to create a diversified portfolio that is not going to be biased towards a stock or an industry or a specific country or, you know, you name it, then you need to have at least 30 different stocks, at least. The problem with that is if you want to buy 30 different stocks, it could be super expensive. So if you wanted to buy one share of Amazon stock right now, I think it's like $2,400 per share. Oh my gosh. So you need $2,400 to buy one share in Yikes. one company. And I mean, the argument could be that Amazon is a diversified company, but still the risk, that's pretty high risk to have that much money with one company. Yeah. So to Hannah's point, is there an index fund attempts to make that diversification a lot cheaper? So if you ever see, like if you look at an investment option or you ever hear anyone reference, oh, the S&P 500 index, 
all that means is it's the t- the 500 biggest companies in the United States. So that's what that means. Okay. 500 biggest publicly traded companies in the U.S. Cool. I am going to ask. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> A clarifying question. Okay. So are you talking, <laughs> and I probably should have asked this like five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> Are you talking about like when you are opening up a retirement account and then you can like select all the different, I mean, yeah. like so, where yeah. to invest so the, the money? Yeah. yeah, that was when I said mentioned the target okay. date fund. A but target like, date fund. you can select different, like multiple different things. Yeah, you totally can. Yeah. Okay, because I feel like okay, that's why I was like, um, I have just called my financial advisor and he tells me what to do. Great. Yeah. Great. And he says, pick this, 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 and this. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Because okay, again, great. I guess going back to statistics, so your advisor is probably aware of portfolio management theory. And so yes. there's, so statistically, there's a gentleman by the name of Harry Markowitz who created this. Harry. Yeah. Harry Markowitz. Oh, he's a OG. <laughs> so he created this, this. He, he he ran a bunch of regressions, did a bunch of statistics to look at. All right, what's the what's the best most optimal portfolio based on returns? So we want to make sure that you're not getting negative returns, right? We want to maximize returns. We also want to minimize risk, and we also want to um, have hold things in your portfolio that aren't tied to each other, so that aren't directly correlated. So we looked at those three things: what's the risk, what are the returns, and then what's the correlation. And then he created the most efficient portfolio based on how much money should you have in in big U.S. companies, how much should you have in medium-sized U.S. companies, small companies, internationally, bonds, to create this kind of this perfect mixture of how you should invest your money. So that's what a target date fund essentially tries to do. If you try to do it yourself in your 401k, so Emily, to your point, when you see that menu and you're going to go in there and select, I want 25% here and 12% there, it's good to be aware of what the most optimal percentages are going to be, which is why your advisor probably helps a lot with that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Got it. And then you can also, I mean, this is me just going back to thinking how, what my conversations were with him, but then you, like, you're talking about, you want to. I can't even, I don't even know how to say this, Hannah. Like, how do we do that? I'm words. so bad at asking. Um, you kind of figure out what you want your risk to be. If you're not, like, if you want to be very conservative um, or bigger risk taker, like somewhere in the middle, you can yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. And some, some 401ks offer that. Like, those, yeah. you can select, I want to be aggressive, moderate, conservative. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, Thank you. Those are the yes. <laughs> that makes it even easier. Like I think the, the the key is to make it easy for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I would say that if you're further away from retirement, even if you, as a human being, tend to be a little more conservative, it might be good to look at investing more aggressively because you're not touching mm-hmm. this money tomorrow. You're investing. Right. You're going to touch in twenty or thirty yeah. years, so you can afford to take a little more risk. Right. Yeah. Awesome. That was a lot. It was a lot. Do you need some water? That was a lot of talking. It's good. It's still good. It's really good. No, that's um, really good. It's really helpful. I'm sure that'll help a lot of people at least get down the basics. I think so too. Um, Yeah. Okay. So this is just me looking at the time. We've been talking about this for almost 43 minutes. So (laughs) Boring. um, No, I just think it's great, but- Maybe um, let's dive into some listener questions yeah. too. Yeah. So this doesn't turn into like an hour and a half, which yeah. I don't know I if people would even. That'd be, uh, I mean, I think we're interesting, but. Yeah. No, it'll be great. Um, yeah. But yeah, I had my listener questions open up too. Perfect. Um, and thank you guys so much for sending so many questions for Eric. That's awesome. I know. This is so awesome. I think we've answered a couple of these two already um, um how about i'm i'm on the second page um my friend jamie who you met in utah she asked um best ways to improve credit score mm. oh that's a good one um, that is a really good one yeah i mean a, a big thing there is just it just requires muscle like getting it if you're looking at your credit cards you want to try to keep those below 30 percent of your credit limit um, that's a good way, um, a, kind of a, a hack and you, you need to be responsible with how you use credit, but if you can increase your credit limit, that's another good way. So even if you have, z- um, $0 on your credit card, so you're, you're not carrying a balance, 
you can call up the credit card company and get a credit limit increase, which could be beneficial. Um, again, use that responsibly. Like you don't want to be maxing out your credit cards every single month, but yeah, it's really just muscle paying off debt. Uh, Cause that's really where they're getting <laughs> a lot of the credit history is just based on where you have it, car yeah. loans, credit cards. So yeah, you want to try to keep those balances low. Okay. And that just requires muscle. Yeah. That's, that is a really good one. Cause it, and just, I mean, I have no knowledge of this, but I feel like you just have to be patient because it goes up and down and up and down. Like with buying a house, like ours yeah. went dropped a ton. Like oh, it yeah. just right. really depends on what you're doing. I'm sure like I probably when I bought a car, like it dropped for a bit. Like it yep. just really, um, you just have to be patient and it'll, yeah. it'll some time. go back up. <laughs> yeah. And I want to say that those, so if you have a new credit inquiry that stays on for two years. So that was Emily, it's probably to, what you guys went through was when you had you were shopping around for mortgages and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You're having like three, four, five different inquiries because you're trying to get the cheapest rate. And then two years down the road, though, those are all going to fall off. So that's that's another way is if you're going to be buying a house, great. Like try to get all your inquiries in a short period of time. You don't want to. Yeah, because there's a, like a, a grace period of like how mm-hmm. many you can have in a certain amount of time. And it doesn't count as multiple inquiries. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's for people. I can't yeah, remember like that, how many who are, it is, but yeah. So we were trying to just like shop at a couple different places so that it wasn't and like right around each other. So we weren't having mm-hmm. a million credit inquiries. Yeah. But that's, um, yeah, that's great advice too, is to do that. Yeah. Try not to open up a bunch of new lines of credit and improve the ones that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they say, do you want to open up a credit card and save 20% today? Like, <laughs> Decline, no. Decline. <laughs> it's so tempting. The mar- it's marketing geniuses who are. I know it is it. really tempting, but I was actually thinking about that. Um, I think yesterday because I got in uh, a thing from Victoria's Secret in the mail. Like, do you want to open up a Victoria's Secret credit card? And I was just like, no, like yeah. I don't. <laughs> not at all. But they get. You. I was like, they really get you. They really the, do. The percent off. Um, especially if you're like spending a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. This is a question from Alicia. Um, okay. It's in multiple questions. So let me see. Um, just wondering what you'd recommend a person should do with their money if they have paid off their debt and have just been stockpiling money into a savings account shamefully hangs head we don't (laughs) mind taking risks we just want to make smart decisions and multiply our funds um sorry for the long question and thanks for the financial wisdom (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i think we kind of hit on this but yeah really i feel like now when when those types of debts, so student loans and car loans and stuff are taken care of, that kind of un- unlocks or unleashes the beast to really amplify your investments. But there, it's really, I mean, at that point, you're kind of looking at two things. I want to try to max out 401k. Like if you're able to do that in a year, 20500 that's awesome. Like that is a huge pat on the back if you're able to do that. And then any overflow you can just put into that non-retirement investment account. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, those are going to be some of the best ways to to save, especially while you're so mobile, you know, it's like, it's not like you're going to put more money towards your mortgage or something. Cause I know they're not. Yeah. Enough. For they them. Have a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They do have a house. Oh, they do have a house. Yeah. Oh yeah. They rent, rent it out. Yeah. I That's think, right. Yeah. Her, her brother lives there, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Hopefully that helps Alicia. <laughs> yeah. Thanks That's for good. the question. Um, Sarah was asking about thought, your thoughts on robo advisors. Um, I think, they're great. Like I really do. I think for someone who does it themselves, they can be really beneficial. And this kind of goes back to us talking about how do you diversify your money, right? Big U.S. companies, international bonds, robo advisors follow. Often they they oftentimes follow what I was talking about with that optimal portfolio, and they're really cheap. Like robo advisors. Like what is that? Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think of a couple that come to mind. So like. Wealthfront is one. Um, Vanguard has a robo solution, but essentially what it is, is you, you'd open up an account. Sometimes they have, I know Vanguard's minimum is I think $3,000. So you need at least $3,000 to open it. And it can be in a Roth IRA or any type of account, Mm -hmm. but you roll it over there and then you don't control the investments. So the, the, the robot does, (laughs) but they create that perfect mix of investments 
And then as things change, so as markets move, your investments are going to move and it'll automatically rebalance and get things back into the most efficient posture. And so I think robo-advisors are a great, great way to, to also get your emotions out of it because I think people can get really emotional about their investments and that can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's an automated way. Wow. wow. Yeah. Future. I know. That's, That's really cool. interesting. Um, I didn't really I know. know I don't like looking at, I mean, it's nice when you have the money and you're like, oh, it's going well. But then if you look at it again and it's gone yeah. down. Yep. That's why I'm I like, just Whoa. don't look. <laughs> I just don't look. I actually really I don't. don't. <laughs> and so, like, it, it probably look like a couple times a year, maybe. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Check in, make sure, yep. yeah, your money's getting transferred over there as it's supposed to be. And then otherwise, I don't, it's not like I'm going to take the money out or do anything drastic. So mm-hmm. yeah. there have been a ton of studies about that too, like how often you look at your portfolio and mm-hmm. what your returns are. And the people who look at it more frequently have lower returns. I guess mm-hmm. not look at, I guess you should say fidget with it. The yeah, people who yeah. fidget with sure. it more have lower returns, which is crazy. Right? You think like, oh, I need to know everything about what's happening. And actually ignorance can be blissful <laughs> with, your, yeah. with your investments. Um, I think like all the other questions I feel like we covered. Mm-hmm. I did also all- want to ask about we um you wrote it on your uh question sheet if about Bitcoin. What are your thoughts? Because oh, yeah. I think it's huge right now. I mean it's it's been for a few years, but like a lot of people are talking about it. Um yeah, what do you what do you think about that? <laughs> Bitcoin. Um it, like honestly, I still can't really wrap my mind around it. Don't try to explain it because I won't like I don't really. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to explain it. I have I have one of my really good friends, he's a Bitcoin enthusiast. Um, and he, yeah, so I guess my perspective, this could change. Um, I think it's, it's fun to talk about if you're interested in that type of stuff. Um, and then there's, there's the argument of, is it a store of value? Can it be used for transactions? Um, I think depending on who you talk to, they'll have different perspectives on that from an investment standpoint. If you feel, if someone feels like they are going to miss the boat, it can be kind of fun to throw some money at it. So I guess personally, I threw uh, about a thousand dollars into some Bitcoin, um, and if that goes to zero, I won't be scared. Like you know, because I mean, thousand dollars is a meaningful amount of money and can be very meaningful to some people. But to me, if if that money in my entire investment scheme, if I lose it all, then I'm not going to lose sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that goes with any investment, right? Like if you have all too many eggs in one basket and that basket breaks, like you, that's going to be stressful. So mm-hmm. it's important to diversify. But Bitcoin, I think there's some uh I guess in the blockchain there can be some some meaningful use cases for it, you know, with smart contracts and whatnot. But from an investing standpoint, play with it, but don't put too much in where you're going to be stressed about it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I hope you don't get any negative comments in the. <laughs> I don't think we get comments. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's gonna find our house. Like, no, Bitcoin's the best. No, we didn't even get any comments on our last episode, which I was surprised about. I know. Any like? Oh uh, yeah. Pro yeah. Um, life people being like, "Fuck you." <laughs> you know, I think majority um, of. I think the people listening are on our page. people in our circle are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Do you have any more questions? Em? I feel like, I mean, it's two minutes of just straight money and finance. Thank you, Eric. That was I love it. Was it's great. Oh my gosh. That it is really great. helpful. And we've had people request this too. So yeah, I know definitely. that. Um, yeah. This is going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And, and I think yeah. you I'll hold this out. Like I, I'm still deeply connected with a bunch of advisors. So if anyone listening wants to get connected with a professional ad- investment advisor, certified financial planner, be happy to make an introduction. Nice. Awesome. But it won't yeah, be. Yeah, that's great. They're really, really helpful to have. I think you work worked at the same company that my financial planner is. I think I vaguely oh, remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Awesome. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's really helpful to have. I started mine using mine when I was, I think, like, I got my first job um, and my friend recommended her person. So I started when I was, like, 24. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So it's helpful. It's great. Yeah. Um, because, 
I, yeah, I don't have enough knowledge of this or, and I, you know, I could really take the time and try to understand it, but I don't you have really have things that to do time. with your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have hire a professional. I feel like, yeah. I mean, people like my dad who like, that's interesting to him. Like that mm-hmm. was not his, like, that wasn't his career, but I think he was interested in it. So like for people like that, that's great. But otherwise, yeah, there's no shame in like, in hiring a professional, then at least, you know, things are, are done, you know? Right. I think a, f- a follow-up question to that is like, what cost does that entail? Because that wasn't, that was a little confusing to me when mm-hmm. I first started, like they kind of didn't really say anything about like <laughs> what this was going to cost me. Yep. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, just transparency with that. Yep. Um, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, you, or like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that um, that seems to be something that's very opaque in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that oftentimes, depending on how much money you have, it'll be a fee based on the account size. So the common one is you know one percent. Um, mm-hmm. So if you have a hundred thousand dollars in a investment account, they'll charge a thousand dollars per year on the entire account value. Um, oftentimes that's, that comes out per quarter. So it'd be two fifty per quarter that mm-hmm. just comes out of the account. It's not like you're stroking a check. That's one way. Um, there's, um, that's a, what's called fee based. There's also a setup called fee only where the, your accounts, your investments aren't charged a percentage fee. You do pay stroke a check just for someone's advice. Um, so that's another arrangement that's gaining a lot of popularity. So you say, I don't want you to take money out of my investment accounts to pay you. I would rather stroke a check, pay for your brain. Like I want a plan. And then at that point, you can either do the plan yourself, implement it yourself, or you can hire mm-hmm. them for, you know, a kind of a fee-based style. But okay. um, that's another way. And then I guess a third way is is a commission-based. Um, so th- there could be an advisor who does all these. There can be some that only do fee only. So you really need to ask the advisor, like, all right, how are you compensated directly? Like, is it out of my account? Am I paying you a check? Are you collecting a commission? But that's a really important question to ask. Um, on a right, commission- and if you don't know at all what to ask, I had no idea. Yeah, it was yeah. just kind of like this is what we're doing, and I was like, "Yep, okay." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so, I'm 24. Yeah. I don't really know what to ask. There's also yeah. a really good article. I think it's by written by SmartAsset.com, um, and that's questions to ask before you hire a financial advisor. And oh, it's, cool. You know, we six can put things. that. Oh, nice. We can put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll try to find it, and then I'll send it over to you guys. Perfect. Um, but yeah, and then I guess the third way is, sorry, got, uh, got sidetracked, um, is commission-based. So if they're selling a mutual fund, there could be a commission attached to that. So if you're putting okay. $100 a month into a, into the fund, it could be a 5% commission. So of your $100, only 95 gets invested. So it's another okay. another arrangement. Cool. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. That's a great I- question to ask. And like, that's good you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, because we like just switched over my, I don't remember. I honestly don't know. We switched my account from one kind to another with like the money increase. And so I was like, what does this cost me? Like, what is the difference? I don't understand. Um, and it was literally marginal, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's still, it's good to know. Yeah. 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 And that's oftentimes this is a, this is a inside trick. Those are oftentimes negotiable. So yeah, if you Hmm. ever want to bring it up, um, See, sometimes people will say no because uh, I mean, advisors are doing a lot behind the scenes, and some will say, "Yep, I'm, this is what I'm worth, and this is kind of what I'm going to charge." Other times, they might negotiate, so they'll say, "Yeah, we'll drop your fee ten basis points or like point one percent." But just something to okay. keep in mind. Knowing okay. what I know, I know that we had some control over the, the fees that we charged. Okay, good yeah. to know. Ooh, insider tip. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. So helpful. So helpful. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Eric. This was very helpful. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. Um, And plug away what you want to plug. Where can everybody find you? (laughs) Oh, you can find me on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, He's an influencer. I'm an influencer. I have (laughs) three-digit followers. (laughs) So do we. (laughs) You have more than us, probably. (laughs) (laughs) It's just at Eric Chanel. So I guess, yeah, if you have other questions. Yeah. Find Send him a DM. Or Slide LinkedIn, into his yeah. DMs. Oh yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn sure. is a good one. Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, is that's good. true. 
Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys for having me. Like this was fun. I know it was a lot of information, but hopefully there's a couple nuggets that people can take away. Oh, for yeah. sure. This is awesome. I think um, people hopefully will enjoy. I think they will, but they will. Um, yeah. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you guys. <laughs> this was fun. All right. Bye, guys. See bye. you next week. Oh, <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, bye, guys. You'll hear our voices next Friday. <laughs> bye. Bye. I feel like we got some good stuff in there. Maybe. This podcast is produced by Emily Richardson and Hannah Quirk. The intro music is by Dan Lemire. Please help us out and rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at drunkordelirious or send us an email at drunkordelirious at gmail.com.